Episode 198, Kevin Goldsmith, Chief Technology Officer at DistroKid. This is, I think, one of my favorite ideas uh, for a, a theme of a podcast. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes. But what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth, and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For more information, link to Kevin's website and more, look in the show notes or go to markraven.com slash mistake198. As always, thanks for listening. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to My Favorite Mistake. I'm Mark Raven, and our guest today is Kevin Goldsmith. He's the Chief Technology Officer of DistroKid, which is the world's largest distributor of digital music. Kevin is an experienced leader of high-profile, high-performing product, research, and shared technology engineering organizations. Uh, he's often invited to be a speaker on building strong engineering teams at conferences, and he often talks about learning from failure. So I watched uh, a version of that. We'll link to it in the show notes. You can um, hear Kevin giving his presentations and, 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 and learn more of his perspectives than we can cover today. He has a lot of experience building products using methodologies, including Lean, Kanban, Scrum, and extreme programming methodologies. His website is kevingoldsmith.com. So with that, Kevin, welcome. How are you? Uh, thank you. It's absolutely great to be here. This is, I think, one of my favorite ideas uh, for a, a theme of a podcast. Well, thank you. A favorite idea. We'll hear about a favorite mistake, and <laughs> yeah, you know, um, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about failures and mistakes. And and I know you've fought and talked about this a lot. You've experienced a lot of lessons learned here. I want to ask first, though, on your website, though, I, just to delve for a second. You also describe yeah. yourself as a photographer and a musician. Why, on the music side, what what's your instrument or instruments? Uh, so you can see some of them actually. If if you're watching video, you can see them behind me. So the bass uh, guitar is actually the the instrument I've been playing the longest. So now about uh, 37 years now. Um, but I play other things as well, piano, uh, uh, cello, uh, guitar. Oh, wow. Um, and there's some music um, linked on Kevin's website. So I guess Composer is the label you would accept <laughs> as well? Yes. Composer seems uh, a bit grandiose for what it is I actually do. <laughs> writing music <laughs> but i do yeah write music absolutely all right um so I encourage people to check out kevin's website uh, kevingoldsmith.com so um you know as we normally do here kevin i'm going to try to tee up here you know looking at the different things sure. you've done through your career um, what would you say is your favorite mistake my favorite mistake is it's related to my time at spotify um it's a product uh, launch i worked on while i was there called spotify now and the reason it's my favorite mistake is because you've almost certainly never heard of it. Um, um, I I have not, and I'm sorry to say I've never been a heavy Spotify user. I know a lot of people are. So go ahead. So sorry. even oh, if you oh. were a heavy Spotify user, you would not know what this thing is called. Um, and that is because it it didn't work out. Uh, so I was. Uh, this was 2015. Um, for those of you who kind of don't remember the the history of streaming, which why would you? Um, I was working at Spotify, been at Spotify for a few years, 
Apple Music was launching the Apple streaming platform and we were well aware it was it was coming and so we decided that we were going to have a, a very big product launch right before Apple Music uh, was announced and we wanted to do that to sort of say like well it's great that Apple's getting into the space obviously given Apple's kind of size and and they were I think probably the largest retailer of music at that point them getting into streaming was a big deal, but we wanted to say, look, we're the true innovators here. So we had a bunch of different things that in various stages of kind of development, we decided to pull them all together to put a unified theme around them, Spotify Now. Uh, and we went to, had a big announcement and launched it right before Apple Music uh, launched, had a huge press event uh, in New York with all these famous musicians and artists. And yeah, launched it. It did not go so well. So, uh, to be to to be clear. So before delving into that, like, what was yeah. the difference between Spotify as it was then, or as it is now, and yeah. Spotify now as a product? So Spotify now took um, was a, was the idea that we were going to find the right music for every moment. That was that was the the sort of unifying idea. So no matter when you use the app, and people will use Spotify to this day, many hours in a day. It's not like um, some games or social media where you're on it, then you're off it, you're on it, you're off it. People use Spotify for hours and hours every day. And what we wanted to say is, oh, you've gone to the, you're at the gym, so you're going to listen to your workout playlist, or you're in the car, you're going to listen to your commute playlist, or, or we're going to present things we think are going to be appropriate for you right now. So it included also some new, new things, um, a bunch of brand new things for the platform, a bunch of new innovation. Uh, and we had a, uh, and so some of those things, and I'm I'm trying to hold it back on telling what they exactly are because some of the because part of this failure is the learnings from this failure. Some of those things are still on that platform, are on the platform, are well used um, and worked out. A, a bunch didn't. Okay, I didn't mean to derail you. So no, uh, no, no, it's okay. I'm like I'm I'm trying not to. I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to build the suspense okay. of the story. No, it, it, no, no, it's a it's a it's a very natural question. So. Um, the idea was, so we had all these things in various kind of stages of, of, of getting ready. We put a unified theme around them. Uh, normally, uh, Spotify is a company that works very lean or traditionally has worked very lean, definitely when I worked there, which would mean we wouldn't release anything to broad uh, customer use be until we'd release it to a small customer base and proven it. Spotify was very good about handling failure well. This is an important part. And I learned a lot from the company on how they handled mistakes. Uh, so, but this, given that it was a big event and we didn't want the press to know, and the press were certainly paying a lot of attention to us because the impending launch of Apple Music. Uh, so the, there was a very scare, like we didn't want to do what our normal thing was and release it to a group because we were worried the press would find out. As we were building the pro uh, building all these features, and I, I was in charge of this effort from the engineering side, so I was I was running the project from the engineering side. We were seeing, you know, as we were using it, it didn't seem like it was, you know, as as exciting as we'd hoped from from the people building it, and so we were getting really nervous. So the company didn't want to the press to find out about it, wanted to keep it secret, wanted to have this big event. 
But the engineering team said, well, this is not normally the way we do things. And we'd really like to, and it doesn't feel right to us. We'd really like to try it. We did try it. We eventually convinced the company, okay, we're going to, we, we need to try it. So we did. We launched it to a very small cohort of users. We were very lucky. None of them turned out to be in the press, so it didn't leak. We got really amazing results, like completely on, um, like completely out of the sky, kind of massively unexpected results. And this is where my mistake came in. We got completely unrealistic like results from this experience, from this small cohort of users, but we'd been working so hard and we were trying to get to this launch and it was a, it was a very ambitious project. So that for us convinced us, okay, what we're doing is going to work out amazingly well. We got it. We were, we were able to launch. We were able to launch on time. It was a huge success from, from a project perspective. We launched it, but of course, uh, again, Spotify being very conscious of, you know, learning from mistakes and, 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 being smart about how it handles failure we didn't launch to 100 percent of our users we launched to a small percent to test it and validate what we'd seen be and what we found was when we gave it to the general public not only did it not kind of impress them it actually made people dislike the app giving these features to people actually made them quit using spotify instead of getting more people to use it Quit and cancel paying. Quit and cancel their subscription. Yep. So what our pre-release results showed us was a 6% product retention increase, which for a subscription product, that means people continue to use your product. And 6% more people using your product, especially at the scale of Spotify, is amazing. Like that's almost that. That's what I was saying. It was just completely unrealistic. Um. So instead of seeing a 6% increase, we saw a 1% decrease, which meant for every 100 people we gave these new amazing features to one one of them quit using the app, hmm. uh, which is not, not great. So, so to, if I can interject with a question here, of course. I mean, was the sample that you had, did it turn out to be unrepresentative of the broader user base? Was that a mistake or was that part of it? Um. No, it wasn't. It, it, it what the what the there was an engineering problem um, that that resulted in that sort of six percent test increase and then a one percent real world decrease, and that problem turned out to be that we uh, accidentally released two tests to the same cohort of users. One of those tests was all these new Spotify Now features. The other test turned off advertising in the free product. Hmm. So the other test essentially gave the free made the free product oh. exactly the same as the paid product, pretty much. And of course, if you take commercials away from a free product, you get a substantial increase in retention because, yeah, you don't have ads interrupting your experience. So it was commingling the results of those two experiments. It was commingling the when, results of those two experiments. When was it discovered of, oops, we had turned off ads? It was discovered after we launched. So yes. that's when we, once we launched, and instead of seeing a 6% increase, we saw a 1% decrease. We had no idea what, 
<laughs> like uh, we could have you know i i could have to your point like oh uh, to the group we gave it to was this group in new zealand uh, we picked a you know a random group of people in new zealand and say okay maybe the the folks in new zealand aren't representative of the larger set so six percent maybe is weird but we would have still expected to see maybe a two percent or three percent increase when we saw a one percent decrease we realized something really bad had happened but we didn't know what Another thing that you do when you want to handle failure well is you don't do big changes because big changes mean it's really hard to know if something goes wrong, what went wrong. There's too many things. And this is exactly what we'd done, which we normally didn't do. We would do lots of small things. Um, but because we had a whole bunch of things, we couldn't be sure was it something in the product that we just got wrong and that was kind of sandbagging everything else we were doing or was it something else? And it took us, a, honestly, it took us a while to figure out, to kind of walk things through and try a bunch of different experiments to realize, oh, you know what, we, we, before we found this issue. So Mike, to me in problem solving language, you know, whether it's, you know, Toyota production system or lean and, and mm -hmm. manufacturing, like there's some sort of problem. One word that gets used a lot is, you know, containment. You know, right. first contain the problem yes. before you can then figure out root cause and, and and figure out what to do. Was part of the containment either to stop the rollout or to 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 yeah. pull back the changes? So we we absolutely could have pulled the changes back. The if we had not had a massive press event uh, with yeah. Yeah. Dozen, you know, hundreds of articles announcing yeah. all these great features, we probably would have done just that. Um, but the, we did contain it. And this was, again, like uh, Spotify having learned from places like Toyota and things like that. Yeah. So when we launched this to the public, we only launched this to 1% of users in our top four markets. So it was, our, by definition, it was contained. The challenge we had was because we got such an unexpected result when it went to the public and because the 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 mistake was so big because there were so many changes in one release, we couldn't grow that percentage because we were losing customers. Every person, you know, every, we could not expand that percentage, but it was small enough that kind of doing a new test or trying, we wanted to do as many tests as we could. The, it was really hard to get to statistical significance. We wanted to run lots of tests and we just couldn't. So at a certain point we decided to grow the container um, and I and one of the prog managers actually did the math to find out how much money the company would lose by going from maybe one percent to five percent, and we decided it was a reasonable amount to to figure it out. And somewhere in there, we we realized, um, you know, through lots of experimentation, through literally through months, it took us months of different experiments um, to figure out what it was that in these Spotify Now features that weren't resonating with customers. And then we were able to re release the rest of them, but that process was obviously yeah. incredibly painful. That's I mean, it's a fascinating set of dynamics there of you know being under pressure from a competitor. We've announced yep. it publicly. There's all kinds of business dynamics that you know would 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 pull you away from the Spotify way, yeah. Um, if 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 you will, um, yeah. And it's it's gosh, I mean the 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 cost. I can see where you could extrapolate. The cost of lost customers yeah. be very easy to calculate. The cost of embarrassment or the cost of reputation, yeah. 
Not you can't calculate that. Or no, like, of course, how, of course. How do you how do you weigh that? You know, the the fact the the great part about um, having so much uh, understanding of the dynamics of your product, we could literally figure out how much money we were losing every day and then and 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 make that and make decisions based on real cost the reputational cost all those things obviously that's an impact but you, you know they, they we couldn't roll forward we just couldn't because no matter what people were wondering oh i read this article this new feature when is this feature coming i haven't seen it i haven't seen it that was obviously if we couldn't give it to you, right? So we at that point, the reputational cost was was going to be what it was. Um, we just didn't have a choice on that one, but we did have a choice on kind of how we then rolled it out. Uh, and so that's that's kind of how we worked with it. If if I had, you know, well, we'll, we'll talk about it, the next part in a minute. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so you, you you've got the situation. Um, realize, you know, you, you talked about the problem solving yeah, and, and, and uh, it, it's, yeah, it's tough. Like in general problem solving, whether it's continuous improvement in uh, an assembly yeah. line, or I imagine with software, you know, the ideal would be making one change at a time. So you can right. very methodically test cause and effect. Yep. And, you know, there are some situations though, where the urgency might be so strong, you know, we've had a quality right. catastrophe. We're producing yeah. nothing but defects or in healthcare, we've got some sort of, you know, high infection rates and you might say, we don't have the luxury of doing one <laughs> test at a time. Yeah. Um, we'll take the risk of commingling the results with the urgency to say, oh, we're just going to try a bunch of things. And maybe yeah. that's a mistake, but I mean, it's just. Maybe it goes to show it's very situational. I mean, what what are your thoughts on it, figuring it that is, out? It is very situational. I, I like your analogies there, right? Because we, I uh, healthcare is probably like I, I, I don't want to equate what we do to testing in healthcare, right? Because the 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 urgency is very different, right? We had an urgency imposed on by us, and then a financial kind of urgency, but. But you know, we could have just kept it one percent forever, if without worry, or well, with worry, but not. You know, we there was no the the thing that was forcing it at this point was us just trying to get this stuff uh, out to customers. It is a little bit closer to the assembly line, and it was this this problem. We wanted to, we'd failed big, we didn't know how to. And we felt so big, we didn't know what we'd done wrong. And it, we had to then kind of reverse engineer all the decisions and test them kind of after the fact to, to kind of walk back and, and figure out what the, what the issues were. And, you know, obviously folks had worked really, really hard to like get to be able to launch on this date. And then, and we're looking, and this was at the beginning of the summer of uh, 2015, and then to then have to lose their summer, you know, after working really hard through the winter to get ready for this, and then to lose their summer. Um, and in Sweden, to, in yeah. Sweden, you can't imagine oh, how the summer is sacrosanct. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the sun. We actually have daylight. Yeah, the summer is summer. You don't mess yeah. with summer, but we yeah. had to mess with summer. And and so it was the urgency was imposed on by us, but also because we'd worked really hard and want to get these things out. Um, yeah, it, it was. Uh, 
yeah it, it and that is one of the reasons why we decided to grow the cohort um just because we needed we were locking up a lot of the you know basically most of the product engineering organization for the company trying to figure this out and so we really needed to to get to move things forward yeah so there was that known cost of learning, if you will, to yeah. move forward and figure it out. And like as you were running experiments and trying to get feedback, yeah. was it a bad concept or was it bad execution? Like if I said, okay, it's sleep time, yeah. and then suddenly, you know, some some Swedish death metal starts playing, <laughs> that would irritate you as a user. That's of not course. a good user story. As a user, yeah. I want to hear loud rock music when I'm trying to sleep. No, I mean like what what were some of the core things that you learned then and and what, were you able to fix it or at some point yep back away so what we were able to do through through kind of trial and error and 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 kind of different combinations of tests there was a there was a bunch of stuff that kind of all came out together with this one was we introduced this is when we introduced video um and in Spotify and adding video to the application this is also when we introduced podcasts to the application, um, we'd introduced a lot more um, algorithmic playlists. We'd also introduced a lot more editorial playlists. We'd added a brand new user interface that made it very kind of um, if you if you've used Spotify, there's a couple different paths through it. One is I know I want to listen to Taylor Swift, and I want to listen to this song from Taylor Swift. So I'm going to go search, find this song, play this song. Another kind of usage of the app was just, I just want to listen. I'm reading or I'm working. Just give me something I want to listen to. And we'd done really well as a company doing that kind of, I want to listen to this song by Taylor Swift right now. Or I want to listen to something very much like this. And this was really, we built an entire new user interface around this kind of, just play me, play me the right music for right now. Like, just tell me, tell, you know, just give me what I want to want to hear. And, and that did not work whatsoever. That was a, a lot of the, the problems were that interface. While we thought it looked well, we thought it worked well, while this test made it seem like it was working exceptionally well, it actually really right. wasn't at all. The other things we added in this were running um, the Spotify running uh, playlist works where it would it would uh, adjust this music tempo mm. to your running cadence. So we'd actually determine your running cadence and then match the music to your so running cadence. From the motion sensor in your phone? Mm-hmm. or Yeah. At that point, probably? Yeah. Yep. yeah. And we also did uh, another thing that we did was the kind of party mix kind of DJ uh, was part of this as well. Those all those did pretty. They, they did okay, um, but obviously, you know, uh, nothing like <laughs> nothing like we'd been ex- expecting. So once we'd figured that out um, and removed that interface, we were able to ship uh, everything else um, and get a modest increase in in retention. Something more what I should have expected. Right. So my mistake in this was I saw something just completely unrealistic. And instead of saying that seems odd, uh, right. That maybe there's something, maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's not right. Instead, it was like, oh, this is great. Uh, <laughs> full speed right. ahead. We're, yeah. obvi- we've, we've, uh, we've struck oil. Um, wow. That's, I mean, that's a great point. Cause you know, one, yeah. one other framework that, you know, uh, language that people use in, 
um, different settings is, uh, you know, kind of sometimes called the Deming cycle. Plan, do, mm. study, adjust. Right. right. So you, you frame an experiment. You you do or test something. You study the impact. I mean, it sounds like you did those things. Yeah. But it's such a good reminder there is to think, well, wait a minute. Do we have bad data? Right. As the, the, da- yeah. the data we got confirmed my bias mm. that what we were doing, you know, that confirmed my bias that what we were doing was really, you know, amazing. And me as, as you know, the engineering leader of the project, obviously I wanted it to succeed. And, um, and while I had concerns and doubts, this, this kind of gave me the, the permission to just put them all away. Obviously, what any of my doubts were wrong everything's going great and this is going to be amazing and spectacular the uh the you know to come back to your analogy of of uh of healthcare or or of an assembly line you're measuring you know you have tolerances right so if you make you're machining parts or you're you're administering like a, a a trial of medication trial and those tolerances have a lower bound but they also have an upper bound <laughs> And when it exceeds the upper bound, that's also a cause for concern. And what I was looking for was to make sure we were beating the lower bound and I didn't set the upper bound to say, you know, this doesn't seem right. Instead, you know, what I should have expected would have been maybe a 2%, an outstanding result would have been a 2% increase or a 3% increase. Seeing 6% was, was just silly. Yeah. So that, that seems like a clear lesson learned of yeah. you get results that are far outside of your hypothesis, do some digging and, and have, have you run it? Have you been in a similar situation? I mean, I'm sure you're going to be mindful of that. Yeah. Running future experiments. Right. Right. Oh yeah. So, I mean, now, you know, I, I haven't had this exact uh, situation uh, repeat itself, but certainly I've gotten much better at saying, you know, not only, you know, uh, this doesn't look right or this is concerning, uh, we expected to do better, but also saying, okay, this seems really good. How confident are we? And let's make sure that, you know, we've got the data we've gathered is, is correct. So I absolutely learned from that. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, gosh, you know, it comes back to, scientific problem solving or scientific improvement, you know, there's this process of you have a hypothesis, you run yeah. a test, you hopefully you're predicting um, the results. And um, yeah, I think you use a phrase, you know, about being something about being surprised. We, we need to be right. prepared to be surprised. That's, yeah. that's, I guess, part of being a good scientist of not assuming the default is, um, I mean, that's a different mindset of like, oh, we've got this idea. Of course it's going to work. Right. I, I, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you weren't so, Hell bent and saying, I, I, I know it's going to succeed. I couldn't admit that there's a problem, but it sounds like there was a different cognitive bias. Yeah, yep, that's being human. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it is. You know, it, um, because I was the engineering leader, not necessarily the product leader. So the different ideas were not. These were not my, you know, my ideas. So it wasn't that I was so wedded um, to. Oh, I this I have. I am birthing my vision to the world and so it it must be right that wasn't necessarily the case here but it it was also the case of i'm working really hard i'm working with folks and i'm trying to motivate them and trying to encourage them so when i saw something 
that maybe should have made me question um but but reaffirmed that what we're doing was 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 successful obviously me just wanting to be a successful engineering leader uh, this just made me feel great instead of me saying that's okay something might be wrong here yeah so, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of engineering lessons and, and there, there, mm. there seem to be some business lessons. I know you've been away from Spotify. Yeah. But, I mean, I can pose it as a rhetorical question. I don't want to ask you to speculate. or you know, <laughs> But what's the organizational learning of um, executives at Spotify saying, okay, well, here are the business dynamics. Here are the pressures. Yeah. How do we avoid putting ourselves in that situation again? Or was the launch of Apple Music kind of a once in a company lifetime event? The one one absolute credit and and you know i've been gone from spotify for a number of years now so and, and the companies evolve just like all companies do but certainly my time at spotify i think one of the things that really impressed me about the company having worked at lots of other places before was that learning kind of culture so when i joined the company everyone kept talking about this other big the the biggest launch from before we did Spotify Now, which was from before I joined the company, where we had a massive press event, announced a ton of new features that we hadn't actually built yet, but claimed we were going to release soon and then didn't for quite a long time. And everybody remembered that. So we, the company had learned from that mistake. Um, and so when we did this event, the Spotify Now event, we didn't even set the press release or we didn't even set the event date until we had extreme confidence that we would be able to launch on that date. And in fact, for better or worse, like the minute they finished the event in New York, we turned it on in Stockholm um, because we'd learned from that prior. And because Spotify was exceptionally good at learning, me kind of this being uh, the biggest project I'd worked on in Spotify to that point, I also had all the retrospectives of all the projects we did retrospectives on any project so i could go back and actually learn okay what works what works well here what doesn't work well here how should what should i be looking out for which really helped me a lot the lessons that we learned from spotify now so i was at the company for a while longer um absolutely taught us a lot about how we release things from then on and an important part i think for the company as well is to your point, like we could have just said, Oh, this didn't work. You know, it may let's hopefully everybody will forget. We'll just kill all these features and just go back to business as usual. But the company didn't, the company really wanted to understand. We thought this was going to work. It didn't. Let's learn from it. Yeah. Yeah. Because some of those features I mentioned specifically, obviously podcasts, but video as well. Some of these features some in the time since I was Spotify, Spotify, some of those features are no longer in the product, but some of those features have become massive businesses right. for the company. Right. Podcasts. Yeah, yeah. For, specifically. A lot, a lot of people will be listening to this through Spotify. Yeah. Absolutely. Because Spotify persevered and wanted to learn the lessons instead of just kind of sweep them under the rug and, and kind of pretend it never happened. Yeah. There, there was one point you, you mentioned retrospectives. One, one point you made in the webinar presentation that I saw you do was uh, mm. the idea of doing retrospectives on everything yes. to remove the stigma of like, oh, you're being called in, uh, you're in trouble. <laughs> but I mean, can, can you think of a scenario where like even the launch of features or, or some project was deemed a success, but the team could still look and say, well, are there things that could have been better? What did we oh, learn? Yeah. 
Tell, tell us more about that. Absolutely. Um, the, uh, I'll, I'll go back to I've done I've continued this practice. I, I learned Spotify at other companies, but but there was another good Spotify example. So um, one of the things that really impressed me right after I joined the company in 2013, uh, we were able to unlock, um, especially back then, there were artists that just didn't want to be part of streaming very big artists right with 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 that the kind that people want to hear on their music platform i don't think it was the beatles that was later i think maybe it was uh i, f- I forget who it was it might have been uh acdc or black flag or not black flag but um some other artists um i don't remember right now oh, but was it metallica maybe, because they were so anti-napster it might, it might, it might metallica <laughs> was later metallica was while i was there it might have been actually led zeppelin um i think it was led zeppelin Anyway, um, so we did this launch uh, for them. We did, you know, obviously a, a, a band like that is a, a huge event um, for a company, especially back in 2013 when uh, Spotify was a massive thing. And it went, and it, a lot of that work, because it happened right after I joined, a lot of that work happened kind of before I had even got there. And then I just helped finish the the project in my team. But I was... But we had a big party, obviously, because it went great and it was, everyone was really happy. And I was really surprised that a day later I got this like four hour meeting on my calendar. Let's go through all the mistakes of the project, because as far as anybody could tell me, it was a massive success. And it turned out we spent the time and there was a ton of things we could have done better. Um, and it really was. Nope, this was great, but we did this took too long or we could have done this differently or how would we do this next time? And through my the next several years at Spotify, we would have more of these launches, Metallica, the Beatles, these kind of things. And we took the lessons from that, and it was much smoother. Each time we got much, much smoother at it, not just because we were doing it over again, kept doing it, but it was because we we actually actively learned the lessons from the, the previous time. Um, that was, that made an incredible impression on me because, uh, you know, having been in the industry for a bunch of years at that point, you know, 20 plus years, I was really used to, you do these meetings when something goes wrong and it's really a blame exercise. Who screwed up? Was it the test team? Was it the engineering team? Who Whose fault was it? And it was really about pointing fingers and to just have this very different approach to it was, was really kind of blew my mind. Yeah. And I, I wanted to um, give a shout out to uh, Ward Villamont, who is a guest in episode 195. So I had learned about Ward's work and I read an article and you were quoted in it. So you, yeah. I, and we, we, we know a lot of people in common, but you know, yeah. that, that quote really struck me. So I reached out to you um, and say, so, you know, you said, figuring out how to fail effectively is a superpower in organizations versus others that haven't and are still punishing failure it really destroys all innovation. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's so well said. That's really powerful. Um, you. you know, you talked about the blame game. That would be one example of of punishing or like. Eh, I, let me let me ask the question this way. I mean, it might make sense to some people to say, "Well, if there are problems, I need to punish them. Otherwise, right. that's just opening the door to more problems." But it's just. Walk us like if somebody really believed that. Is there any hope of turning them around, or do you need to put yourself in a situation where people don't believe that? I've certainly, obviously, you know, I've certainly worked with people who very much have that attitude, right? If if there's no, 
if if people are held accountable, accountability is 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 a word we use a lot in 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 management as as and accountability meaning not you know you you're accountable for your success but you're accountable for your failures and what happens right and i've certainly worked with a lot of people who who would say no you must punish failure because otherwise you don't learn um i would say you know my own experience having worked in organizations you know that very much lived this way um what it tends to do is it makes people very risk averse because if I'm going to be punished for failure by taking, you know, what's the easiest way to avoid failing is to not do anything I, I'm not certain I'll be successful with. And the organizations I've been in that have operated in this way tend to have a significant problem with innovation and are, you know, don't understand why they're just being beaten by their competitors who are out innovating them. And it's because you know, anytime you make a mistake, you get beat down. So you stop doing anything that you don't know a hundred percent you'll have success with. Yeah. That's and that, yeah. That happens in so many environments. And even if you're not trying to be on the frontier of innovation, that right. dynamic will stifle the smallest of continuous improvement efforts. People oh, absolutely like uh will, will will keep their heads down and the primary objective is not drawing attention, not getting in trouble. That's such a risk averse. Yeah, environment. It's, it, it, innovation back. requires taking risks, right? By by right. definition, you're trying to do something that hasn't been done before, and you can't do anything interesting perfectly the first time. Right? Yeah, you have to learn and grow. Uh, you you would probably know. I I don't remember. I think uh, before the light bulb, like the final production version of the light bulb, they ran like fourteen thousand experiments. Yeah, there's like there's that. an Edison quote of all the yeah. times he failed and then I succeeded. Or yeah. Yeah, there's like fourteen thousand failures to get to the success. Right. And um the the companies I saw the companies I've worked at or the companies I I've talked to and met that innovate exceptionally well are companies where it's not that people aren't held accountable. You you still hold people accountable, but you hold them accountable for failing well, which means I make a mistake, I learn from the mistake, I do something different. If I make a mistake and then just keep doing the same thing and I'm not learning anything, that's a case where, you know, you that's that's an accountability problem. Um or taking a risk that is completely outsized and unnecessary when I don't need to, right? So this idea of making these small experiments and learning quickly and failing in small ways versus like, I'm going to bet the whole company on this idea. Yeah, I'm going to take a big swing. And when I miss, I take the company down, right? I mean, and, and there's usually checks and balances or if it's a reasonably psychologically safe environment, you're, you're not, yeah. nobody's doing anything alone. And right. you have an idea, you have a hypothesis, you want to run an experiment. Other people may speak up if they see problems or risks, and you can counter that. Probably just the biggest problem would be is in a culture where the CEO can never be wrong, is yeah. fired anybody who challenges them. Then, then that CEO, I'm sure there's a lot of case studies, and we may be living through some of them now, where the CEO, <laughs> the CEO places a huge bet, and there's so many people saying, like, man, if he if they he or she would have only listened and they didn't. Um you know, but normally there's checks and balances where right. you know, um, 
I, I've, I've heard leaders, you know, in healthcare, they're afraid. Of, well, what if my people have bad, bad ideas? Like, yeah. well, if it's a quote unquote bad idea, you, 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 you talk it through with the team, you, you might do a small test of change. Um, you could be wrong that it's a bad idea. Like, it comes down right. to risk and reward. You're not going to be um, reckless. Right. But at the same time, you, you can't create an environment where so people are so risk averse um, or especially an environment where people are afraid to disagree with the boss, getting a little sidetracked there. But. No, but, but, but you're absolutely right. Like it, there's the, at a point like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have bad ideas, right? Everybody, one, everybody's going to have bad ideas, mm-hmm. but until I have a bad idea and try it mm-hmm. and go, Oh, you know what? This was a bad idea, but I understand why it's a bad idea now. Unless I do that, I'm never going to have a good idea. Right. Cause yeah. all I'm going to be filled with is all these bad ideas I never got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up here, I want one thing I want to explore, not to play wordsmith here too much with, with Kevin Goldsmith, our <laughs> guest today. You know, in, in the tech community, and you're using the word failure. Um, yeah. I, I sort of latch on to the word mistake. Yes. And there's a lot of similarity, you know, thematically in what we're talking about. But like, how, yeah. how would you compare those words? Um that's a good question. I, I've watched, yeah, you're right. I've, I really have watched, I latch on to the word failure. I think because it, it, it implies that there's a negative consequence to me, uh, more so than mistake. But I actually, honestly, I made a mistake in that I saw a, an unexpected result and didn't question it. But the outcome was a failure for the company. Maybe maybe that's how I would differentiate it. So a mistake led to a failure. Um, I also think I latched onto that word specifically in tech because we talk about fails, fail whales. Yeah. Um, we don't fail talk fast, fail often. Fail fast, fail, 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 fail safe. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I grew up in uh, I grew up meaning I in my career at a time when we were actually trying to build fail safe software. Like at one point at Microsoft, I talked to this team that was literally proving the code, proving mathematically proving that code was correct in a way to completely avoid any possibility of failure. And obviously that, that didn't one, it was very challenging and very difficult. It was a research team, it was appropriate for a research team, but it never made it to production because it's nearly impossible to do. And what we've learned like from when I was a sort of early career professional in the 90s to now is rather than say we're going to avoid failure ever happening, instead, we've become uh really good at saying, no, failure is going to happen all the time, and we're just gonna get really, really good at when the failure happens, we've anticipated it and we've made the system's robust so that they'll fail, but it won't impact uh, anything significant. Um, that's the lesson. That's kind of, if you look at the software industry from like the 50s to the, the 2020s, that's been, I think, the big lesson um, that we've had. Yeah. Well, you've shared so many lessons, um, you know, with us today, Kevin, and, you know, from what you've written and what else, you know, is out there. I encourage people to go, um, you know, check that all out. We'll put links in the show notes and um, we probably do a whole, uh, maybe someday we can, but I was going to ask you, tell us, oh, it could be a whole, uh, another episode. I was going to ask you briefly, tell us a little bit more about DistroKid, the business. Sure. And here's a question that maybe merits its own episode. Like, you know, 
coming in and, and maybe, you know, trying to create a culture of learning from failure, of learning from mistakes, of handling yeah. failure well. That's not easy to answer succinctly, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll actually tell you, I think, you know, one of the things that attracted me to DistroKid beyond, um, you know, since since I left Spotify, I'd worked in a lot of other industries, um, but I missed I missed working in music. I'm I'm you know it's 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 clearly something that's important to me personally, and it's fun as as jobs go. It's kind of fun uh, to work in music and work work build products for creative people. Uh, but one of the things that also attracted me specifically to DistroKid was that it wasn't that I needed to bring this culture to the company. It's this, this, the, this culture existed in the company. The, the CEO, Philip, um, is very much in the, in the mindset of lean. So the executive team already, you know, the CEO, the COO, very much in the, in the mindset of lean and learn and, uh, you know, doing experiments and learning. And then one of the product managers, that I really loved working with at Spotify, very experienced in this as well, is the head of product. So it isn't so much I need to convince people, other companies I've had to to educate. Here it's more I can help kind of uh, make it more efficient and, and make it a little bit more streamlined how we do it. But everyone at the company, which is very nice for, for folks like us who have to spend a lot of time convincing people that this is actually a good way of working to go somewhere that people already know it. They just want to do it better. Well, so I made the mistake, but thank you for correcting me. If I was assuming (laughs) your opportunity was to come and create the culture, it sounds more like it's a matter of strengthening, reinforcing. Strengthening and and helping. Yeah. And helping build the processes to make it easier Mm -hmm. to do that, but, and, and just to make it better. Yeah. So it's a little bit for me, the last several you know, since Spotify, it's been a very much a coming into a company, kind of talking about this, trying to build those processes, build uh, that way of working. And now for me, it's kind of nice to go somewhere where it's like, oh, no, we, we you don't need to, you know, you don't need to sell us. We're, we're already on board. Like, let's just, we just want to do it better is, is really exciting. That is. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for, you know, sharing your story and your reflections and the lessons learned. And, you know, it's really really powerful, really interesting, and um, a lot to take away from that. So again, we've been joined by um, Kevin Goldsmith, a CTO at DistroKid. Kevin's website, again, is kevingoldsmith.com. Uh, really enjoyed this, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much, Mark. I, re- I really enjoyed it too. This has been great. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. As always, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work. And they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.